Hey everybody, uh, PD in the house. Uh, welcome to Connect Church. I'm so glad that you are all joining me as we get into the Word in just a few minutes. I want to welcome, first of all, all our online viewers, our Facebook Live, um, people that are having watch parties, uh, some people that are watching this on YouTube a little bit later. Hey, welcome to Connect Church. I'm so glad you was. You know, I love sometimes getting in the chat at different times um, when I get occasion to do so and seeing people even from around the world. So I want to welcome our guests in different countries and so glad. It's amazing, amazing, amazing what can happen uh, through and with the use of technology. So listen, um, I want to get right out with the message title. We're in a series and the series has been titled God's Ways, W-A-Z-E. You know the app, Ways? It's kind of like helping you with direction in a practical sense. Well, this series is helping you with direction for your lives, discerning our times, dealing with all the craziness that's all around us, but also the craziness that's going on inside of us. And so we're in the third installment of that series. Last week, we talked about following your heart. Today, we're going to talk about using your head. We want to manage that tension between God speaking to our heart, but not check this thing out. This thing is a part of the discernment equation and process. So today's message is about managing that tension. So we're going to talk about more specifically prudence in the discernment process, or you could say wisdom in the discernment process. Join me if you're taking notes, and we believe that note takers are history makers. So join me if you're taking notes. Proverbs 14 verse 8 is our kind of lead text today. Here's what it says. <clears throat> it says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought. One translation says, careful thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. Deception in this context is referring to self-deception. The worst kind of deception is self-deception because you don't know you're deceived yourself. And so we can find ourselves in, in and doing foolish things, in foolish behaviors and doing foolish things because uh, we can't see things and because we're not giving careful thought to that. Now, you know, as I kind of frame some of this, I'll start with just an example. I was thinking about like one of like the fry rhythms, fry, our last name is fry. One of the fry rhythms is, specifically with my wife and I, is on occasion, maybe weekly, monthly, uh, we'll have like um, a, a calendar meeting. We'll have a certain calendar meeting. And in the past, not so much now, um, it used to cause a lot of stress for me. In fact, I'd rather go to the dentist than have one of these calendar meetings because I had this tendency to say yes to almost everything and put it on the calendar and try to keep fitting things in. And then I go to talk to my wife about it, try to push this and we can see these people and we need to do that with those people. And, you know, as a pastor, I can't help myself. And underneath that, too, I have all these um, kind of hidden drivers because if I'm honest, and or I was honest at the time, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Why was it stressful? Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Why was it tense? Because, not because of Stacy, but because of me. And so we would get into it a little bit from time to time, and she'd start on me, or that's how I felt. She really didn't, it was just me. She'd start on me, and, um, and as she's kind of giving me counsel and advice, um, I, in my infancy, couldn't handle it in the moment, but when I pulled away, and I kind of distilled the wisdom of my wife, speaking as the Holy Spirit um, and all the counsel. What I really heard her saying in her words was, Derek, 
Um, have you really thought this through? Derek, have you really thought this through? And so I kind of formulated a big idea for today's message on Use Your Head. Here it is. Write this down if you're taking notes. Think it through before you go and do. Think it through before you go and do. Because sometimes we have to step back. Sometimes when we're confronted by a problem, we have to step back and evaluate the problem. Sometimes when we are... Uh, presented with a certain awesome opportunity um, and it reveals itself suddenly, we also almost suddenly respond. In other words, we get this sudden opportunity and then we react almost as quick and we find ourselves sometimes in quicksand because of that. And so we need certain principles. You know, what's interesting is that prudence produces principles that guide us through our problems. Prudence leads to principles that help us through our problems. One of the kind of life um, principles that Stacy and I employed in the early years, and I'm just trying to help you guys connect with this message today, I used to call it the 24-hour rule, the 24-hour rule. Now, it's kind of a little bit of a PD-ism today. If you have ever been solicited by someone uh, in the old days when I used to pick up my home phone, um, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you would have somebody call you. There are all these callers. Now you get it on your cell phone. It didn't used to be, but now we do. It drives me crazy. And they'd have an incredible bargain, an incredible offer, a once-in-a-lifetime thing that they wanted you to have. You guys know what I mean. And it, back in the day, it used to be, it felt like it happened all the time. Here's, here's something for you, Mr. Fry. Is this Mr. Fry? Is this Mr. Fry? Be nice and polite initially. I don't do that so much, you know, later on. And they said, we have a three... Uh, we have a four-day, three-night cruise for you, totally free. You've been selected out of 350 million people in the nation. You're the guy. We want this for you. And they go through the whole spiel, and they go through their whole perfectly scripted language and describing. It's like a, a waiter at a high-profile restaurant. They're just making you salivate with all the awesomeness. But the catch comes, right? What's the catch, everybody? You have to decide right now. And so, so many of us uh, like those, get those situations in our life and these things look so appealing and they look so captivating and we make these impulsive, reactive, unplanned decisions without the necessary time, without the wisdom of prudence to discern if it's the best thing to do. And if we had just hit a timeout, if we just had a 24-hour rule, which was the rule that I would employ, I basically said, sorry, I came to this conclusion. If I have to make the decision now, it's no. If, if I can consider it and I can process it for 24 hours and you'd be willing to call me back, uh, I may consider it. You know what? That would always eliminate it. In fact, as soon as I hung up the phone, it wouldn't be minutes before you you know, I started to see another decision. I started to, to experience wisdom that would come from God. And the truth is, and you know this principle, if it seems too good to be true, it's because it is, right? So my reply has always been, sorry, I don't make those decisions right now. And what it would do is it would kill that sense of urgency, those feelings, those consolations inside of you. And it would cause you to, that principle, that prudence would make you hit pause and use your head. Come on, everybody in the chat say, everybody on Facebook Live, write it in there. Everybody say it out loud, wherever you are, say, I gotta use my head, okay? And so there are so many scenarios that we could unpack today, financial, occupational, uh, relational, and spiritual, where we need to use our head. Yes, even spiritual, and we'll get to that. So the Bible has a word for people who do not use their heads, 
and people who do not use their heads get stuck in their ways and they continue to experience difficult times, difficult, difficult times. And people that are not using their heads in the Bible, I didn't say it, so don't get mad at me, they're called fools. Fools. Remember Mr. T? He used to say, pity the fool, pity the fool. Mr. T would say stuff like that. And, and so we kind of look at it as comical when we say that word. Or, or maybe it's romanticized, you know, uh, in your mind, that, that word, you know, wise men say, only fools rush. And we think it's so romantic. No, it's not good. Fool is not a good, good, good description. I remember my parents giving me an old adage, and my mom was telling me this, Months ago, just a few months ago, she said, Derek, this is what we used to say. General rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. When it's cool, he wants it hot. He always wants what he hasn't got. <laughs> and so there are many descriptions that the Bible has for a fool. But today, and for today's purposes, I want to kind of give you some descriptions that are for that word and for kind of two other people groups around that. Um, from the word of God. And, 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 and as we get into that, I want you to know that fools, the reason it's so important that we not behave like a fool is because fools can't discern God's ways because they're stuck in their ways. There's a stubbornness. We can't discover, we can't discern God's ways because we're stuck in our ways. Ephesians 5.15 says this, be careful, be careful, people, how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days out there, can I have an amen, are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, or you could say, discern what the Lord's will is. That's what this whole series has been about, is discerning the Lord's will, because only the prudent can discern the will of God. God gave you a brain, he gave you a mind, and he wants you to use it. We love the Lord God with our strength, with our heart, but we also love him with our minds, and God wants us to be prudent. Now, prudent defined, it, it means this, and this will probably come up in the, in the, in the notes. It, it means to think ahead, patiently giving careful thought to the long-term implications of your decisions. And so every day, in every situation, it seems like in all these different scenarios, we've got to get better and better and better at using our heads. But Proverbs describes these three types of people that I alluded to before. And I hate to categorize people, but it's just true. This is the kind of people that are out there in the world. Listen to these three words that the Bible uses. If you're getting something out of this, say amen. Give me some hearts. Give me some high fives. Okay. Here's what it says. It says there are mockers, number one. There are foolish people or fools, and there are wise people. Mockers or evil people sometimes refer to fools, and there are the wise. Now, mockers. What are mockers? Mockers are people, evil people bent on destruction. They have evil intent. Uh, they have no regard for life or for God. They even want to inflict pain on someone. They want revenge and things like that. Some of us have a hard time believing that that actually exists in the world, but I'm just here to say as a man of God to you, it does. There is evil in the world and there are evil people in the world. And actually Paul tells us in the scriptures to reject a divisive 
person. Warn them once, but the second time have nothing to do with them. And so evil people, mockers, we need to disconnect from. We need to distance ourselves from. This is why in some rare occasions we need lawyers and guns and money to buy lawyers and buy guns, okay? I'm not trying to promote something, but we have to go uh, literally and some, uh, figuratively and sometimes literally into a protection mode because people, there are people out there that are evil. And, and that's why some people will say, you know, I don't, I don't, you can just talk to my attorney about it. And, and sometimes you have to get the authorities involved because there's evil people. Then there are fools. This is where we're focusing today. Uh, these last two, they refuse to think. They're aimless in, and they have no direction. And, and he, here's how um, a Christian psychologist named uh, Henry Cloud says it. He said, when light comes, light truth comes, they adjust the light. Okay, they adjust the light. It, 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 they, they don't change, they change the light. They deflect it. They often, uh, as, as truth is coming from a person, they'll shoot the messenger. They'll, they'll have statements like, if you would just have resourced me, if you had just explained that better, if you, if you, if you. And if there's always a focus Especially initially, when, when light comes and truth comes and wisdom comes on the external, you're probably dealing with a fool or a foolish spirit or attitude. And they're typically not happy. Uh, they don't receive very well. Uh, they don't see it, the wisdom, as peaceable and easily entreated. And fools typically don't have a problem. They have patterns of problems. It's usually chronic, okay? We're not talking about one-time foolish mistakes. We're talking about chronicity here. And then wise people, that's what God wants for us, they give careful thought to their ways, as it says in our opening text. Um, when light comes, that truth, that wisdom, when light comes, that person adjusts to the light. They make changes. They make adjustments themselves. Uh, scripture says, correct a wise person, and he becomes even wiser, wiser still. And so wise people, because of that, get wiser. And they solve problems because of that, and they don't continue to see patterns. Um, speaking of, you know, like people solving, wise people solving problems, I heard of this dog food company. And the president was dis disappointed with the sales, and there was no sales at all. And so he, he said, I want you to fire, you know, the, 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 the sales force. I want you to get us a new vice president of marketing. I want you to start. They did that. No sales. He did it again. I want, you to, I want you to fire the vice president, fire the sales force. He did that repeatedly over a two-year period. And then one day they're sitting in a meeting, and this little guy in the back row raises his hand, and he says, sir. And the president says, yeah, what, what, you know, kind of what is it? He says, sir, the dogs don't like the food. They don't like it. And so it's like ding, ding, ding. You need some with the, the problem wasn't the sales and marketing team. The problem wasn't everybody else. The problem was your product. The problem was you need to change your recipe. And so a lot of times truth comes and we deflect it and we adjust, uh, we adjust it instead of adjusting to it. Another characteristic of wise people, though, is it's kind of like if there was an emoji for it, there's a smiley face. They, when light comes, they're like thankful. They're thankful. They're grateful. They're like, wow, that was so helpful. Uh, you know, David said, a righteous man will strike me and it will be a blessing. It will be a blessing. So the truth, though, is we all have at times in our lives a little bit of the mocker, 
Uh, we have a little bit of the fool and we have a little bit of the wise person in us. And some people, unfortunately, make a career out of one of those areas. And, but in the foolish area, we can often suffer. We can often suffer uh, needlessly. Proverbs says, get this, um, the, the, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It doesn't say you're a fool. It just says you can suffer by even being associated with a fool. So foolish behavior you suffer, association being adjacent to and proximity with foolish people, you can suffer as well. So we got to be careful that we not fall into foolish uh, ways. And Proverbs 1.20, it says this. It says, wisdom calls out from the street. Now, there might be a violence on the streets today, but wisdom cries out on the street as well. Wisdom, listen to me, is the personification of God. God wants you to walk in, understand, and apply wisdom uh, to your life. Because why? Because you don't need to suffer needlessly. That's what wisdom is calling out for. You don't need to suffer. So here's the thing. There's two categories of pain. And there's two categories of kind of suffering. There's, first of all, a divine pain. Now, I don't like this, but this is part of life. Divine pain is the pain that God allows, that God permits. He lets you go through it. Why? Because he's not interested in your comfort sometimes. He's interested in your character. He wants to mature you. He wants to develop you. He wants to, uh, in a sense, it's like a shock collar, you know? I don't want, it's for your protection, son, not for your restriction. I don't want you running out into the street of life, not ready for those things that are to come. And so I've created some boundaries for you. And sometimes there's some tests, or as my daddy used to say, tests that you're going to have to go through. And there's nothing like this type of pain, and there's nothing you can do about this type of pain because God allows it. And so sometimes those losses and those difficulties later are seen as priceless. And I can say that with true conviction. But that's divine pain. But the next kind of pain is dumb pain. Dumb, dumb pain, okay? I was thinking of some movie, that, that face. I can just see it in uh, one of those movies, dumb, dumb. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, God, God says in this situation, it's not me. I didn't cause this pain. I think Satan even chiming in like, don't blame it on me. I didn't do this either. You did it. Dumb pain is the pain that we brought upon ourselves from our own decisions. This is when we make decisions without prudence. We don't consult anyone. We, we, we dive into this relationship with that guy. Everyone around you would have said or knows it's a bad idea. Even your dog is like, no, no is growling like don't do it you can't see it because you're you're just acting foolishly and as a result only days later you're in trouble it doesn't it's not going so well or something bad happens or something horrible at the end of this road takes place dumb dumb pain there's dumb dumb pain sometimes we have that in the financial arena and we we want the shiny thing and and we want the big house and the picket the white picket fence and 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 we didn't see you know, that in the purchase for this or that, there was a 35% interest rate and a balloon payment at the end. It's because dumb, dumb pain. And so the Lord wants us to think things through before we go and do. Think things through before we go and do. But why? Why do we do foolish things? Why is that? Well, of course, there's sinful nature. And I'm not going to unpack that today because we've done that many times before. But let me give you a couple reasons maybe you haven't thought about. One is... Um, there's dumb, dumb pain <laughs> or that we're foolish because sometimes some churches and some Christians are anti-head. Listen, listen, we're anti-head. We haven't, we don't see the value of using our heads. I remember talking to a leader back in the day and 
way back, 25 plus years ago. And he was recruiting me to a different ministry in this church of which I am now the pastor, which is interesting. And he said, he said, Derek, I've given you some time. Have you made a decision? I said, no, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking. He's kind of irritated. He's like thinking about it. I don't need you to think about it. I need you to pray about it. And, and I was like, huh, you know, I, 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 it sounded so spiritual. He said, hey, listen, if you pray to Jesus, you know, he'll show you the way. Pray to, pray to Jesus, he'll show you the way. And if you pray, he'll show you the way. Like he kind of, it's like a bumper sticker for him. But it, it had this in, in inference, it had this insinuation that Jesus is saying, just step out, just go and do, and, and, and you, don't need, you don't need wisdom. But Bible tells us, and God tells us, that wisdom and God are the person, they're one. That we need to get wisdom, and all you're getting, get wisdom. And so it's, it's not a one or the other, it's a both and. I love what my daddy used to say. He used to say that... Um, you know, I'm praying and thinking about something, and he used to call it, he used to say, I'm prinking, I'm prinking. I'm praying, and I'm thinking, come on to somebody, I'm prinking, that's good. Here's another reason we're foolish. Another reason we're foolish is we don't want to live in reality. We don't want to live in reality. Sometimes we don't want to use our head because it requires the hard work of living in reality. We prefer pretense. We, we prefer the, 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 the veneer. We, we prefer just acting like everything's okay. And so sometimes we put on fronts for people instead of doing the hard work of living in reality. And so we, we throw ourselves into hobbies. We, throw, we become, as mothers, kid-centric, even though in our marriage is falling apart. And we sweep issues under the rug. And eventually we trip over that rug. That's why sometimes we're foolish. Another reason we're foolish is, lastly, for today, we're sometimes more discipled by the word, by, excuse me, by the world than we are the word. We're more discipled by the world to be foolish. We become foolish because we're listening to the wrong voices more than we're listening to the voice of Jesus. Remember, discernment is separating the, from the voice of Jesus from other competing voices. And so, in essence, the reason you're struggling to use your head is because you have a volume issue. You're not listening to wisdom. You're listening to foolishness. You're listening to foolishness. And again, marriage can be a great example of this or this relationship that sometimes... You can be hanging around a uh, the wrong crowd, foolishness, and it can erode your values. I've seen this over and over again, where at one time in your marriage that might have struggle and might have problems, you wouldn't fight with your spouse, you'd fight for your spouse. You would, you would be committed in a no matter what situation. But now because you're traveling with a pack of divorcees who are not serving God, loving God, and surrender to God, and growing from and learning from their mistakes, now you're feeding at the same table, and because of that, your value systems have been eroded. Because of that, uh, your commitment has uh, been unraveled. It's a volume issue, and God's voice is being drowned out by the other voices of the world. And so what happens is trouble comes, dumb, dumb pain. Now, on top of that, we have just sort of a, um, science calls it the lizard brain. Has anybody ever heard of that out there? It's a part of our brain that is the fight or flight side of us. So we have these outside forces, plus we have this internal lizard brain part of us. It's, it's the side of us that reacts when anxiety comes and it goes into overdrive. And so if you have a Rottweiler running after you, or if you're in the you know, Serengeti and there's a lion running after you, this is not the time to give careful thought to your ways. This is the time when you go, you run, you decide to live, and that part of you 
takes over, and thank God for that. But sometimes that part of you that you know takes uh, jurisdiction in your life if you don't know how to train your brain. And as a result, uh, you find yourself not living out of the prudent brain, you're living out of the lizard brain. And some people have been living out of the lizard brain their whole stinking lives. And so when anxiety comes, and when stress comes, and external pressure comes, whether it be biological, neurological, uh, spiritual, financial, we have all kinds of forces that are coming against us, and they lead us into to foolishness. And instead of seeing prudence take place in our life, we go into this, these foolish traps. You know, prudence is thinking ahead. Prudence is farsighted. Prudence is wisely cautious in practical affairs. Prudence is sensible. Prudence is carefully providing for the future. Prudence is good judgment or common sense, which is we always say is not so common anymore. Prudence is balanced taking everything into account, level-headed, careful. When I say those words, do you feel like those words describe you? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Do those words describe you? Do they describe me? Well, maybe, sort of. That's what I, that's what I was thinking when I, when I read that and when I, when I kind of went through that in my notes. Here's the thing. The truth is we can be prudent in one area and we can be foolish in another. See, we can be prudent in our finances, but we can be fools in our relationships with people, with family, with friends. And so um, I say that because we're all on the hook. We all need grace. We all need help. And we all have to grow in this area. So we shouldn't be pointing any fingers because we all can get better. And so here's the beautiful thing about God. God longs to lead you and show you the way, and direct you on his path. He wants you to think it through before you go and do, but he wants to come alongside you, and, and he wants to give to you what I call transformation or transforming grace. He wants to give you this inner motivation. He wants to give you this supernatural power to do that, but a lot of us haven't grown up in a prudent environment. A lot of us didn't see it. It wasn't, it wasn't, it, 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 we saw other things, we saw other things. Uh, and, and so even though Jesus, I heard this quote, Jesus may live in your heart, but your grandpa lives in your bones. And so you watched your father and your father's father live these impulsive, reactive, you know, uh, kind of chaotic decision-making lives. And even though you love Jesus, yes, you do. You're still a little crazy on the inside if you're honest with you. And so these, the, this stuff's contagious. And this stuff gets passed on sometimes to the next generation. And it's got to stop in Jesus' name. And so it's, it's a combination. It's a combination of God's grace plus your, my disciplined mind. See, God's grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Discipline is me doing my part and then God coming alongside me and doing his part. God's grace plus my discipline equals a prudent, a prudent mind. So how do we grow? How do we grow in discipline? I want to break this down and make it super, super practical. I want to give you seven questions that you can ask yourself. You don't always have to ask all of them, but you'll find these very practical. And this is kind of a framework that honestly is born out of failures and successes. And so it'll help you when you're trying to discern your heart, discern the consolations and desolations that we talked about last week. So here's the first question. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you get ready to make a decision, you don't want to make a foolish decision, ask this question, am I rushing? Am I rushing? Um, Dallas Willard said, the greatest enemy to being productive is hurry. 
is hurry. See, we do a lot of bad things because uh, we're in a rush. We, we, we run through stop signs. As soon as I said that, my wife probably smiled. <laughs> and as you think about this, are you rushing? Are you rushing? Because the principle is, and I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, the bigger the decision, the more time you need to make or discern the will of God for that. You need to make sure you're not rushing. Number two, write this down. <clears throat> am I avoiding, excuse me, am I avoiding the hard work of thinking? That sounds kind of interesting. See, sometimes thinking about something that's meaningful, that's significant, that's important, it's a little exhausting. It requires some, some focus, some attention uh, to get that kind of comprehensive uh, view of something. And so sometimes for myself, I resist discerning because I, I just don't want to do the work. And so I do what is expedient, and as a result, I experience sometimes future pain, and I wonder why. And so you have to look ahead sometimes. So when there's a financial decision, it's tough, yes, uh, but you got to do the hard work of looking at your finances, looking into your resources, looking at your budget, pursuing the right and best solutions, because it's prudent. And when you do that, it's always, always, always worth it. And so if you're thinking about a relationship, again, uh, can't help but talk about those. And you're like, he's fine. She's so cute. And, you know, I don't want to do the work of thinking about it, you know, at all. And if you don't take that time to evaluate his or her vision for their life and their view of God and their values that will eventually intersect with your life and the life of your future family, and then you make them your partner because of the outside and you haven't evaluated the inside, all because you didn't want to feel alone, you know what that is? It's dumb, dumb pain. That's dumb, dumb pain, okay? Number three, another question. Do I understand the options that are before me, the choice that's before me? Do I, do I comprehend the various routes of those decisions? Andy Stanley taught me this so many years ago, and I just never forgot it. He calls it the principle of the path. But the principle of path is this. We often look at where we are, not where we're going. See, the tendency, the default for you, the foolish default is to just say, here's where I am. It's so awesome. It's so great. And so we might see a guy you're dating and, you know, he has a few drinks at night. It's no big deal. But you're just seeing him intermittently. You don't know that he can't get throughout a day without drinking. And so suddenly you, you haven't evaluated, you haven't assessed the situation, you haven't discerned it right, you haven't understood what's really going on. And then later on, that problem becomes the bane of your existence. And, 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 and now you're, in this, you're tied in this relationship and there's collateral damage because of it. And, 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 and it happens because we didn't evaluate things and the options. Number four, write this down. Have I considered, this is a big one for me, have I considered my limits and the limits of those around me? Because it's not just me and myself and I. I'm affecting other people and decisions I'm making. So I like to just make sure you see it's not just my limits, but the limits of those around me. See, so with my limits, it's my energy. It's, it's my time and my sleep and, and sort of thing. But when it's others around me, it's, I have to consider how this affects young children or a teenager or an, or, or an elderly person or someone with health concerns. And sometimes we're not evaluating our limits and the limits of those around us. And anytime we go beyond our limits, we live like we have no limits and we all do. God established that way from the beginning. We invite the demonic into that territory. So think about it. In the first relationship in creation, God set Adam and Eve with limits. You can have all of this. It's all yours, the garden. But don't touch that. 
Don't touch that. He set a boundary right away. And as soon as they violated that, those limits that God established, Satan entered and sin entered. And there was ramifications for generations to come. And so we can do this in more practical ways. We can sometimes get sick. Now, now sickness can be a cause of a lot of different things. The enemy directly, it can be a generational, it can be... Uh, you know, the conditions of this world, you know, the, 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 the brokenness of this world. But, but oftentimes, sometimes, I don't know, my experience has been uh, people will be saying things like, I feel attacked and I feel, you know, I feel this, I just feel so bad physically. But maybe it's just because you haven't been living within your limits. Maybe it's because you're, 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 you're just, you're staying up too late and, and, and you're getting up early and you're overstimulating and you've had eight cups of coffee before noontime and you wonder why uh, you have this problem. It's, you're, it's simple. You're outside of your limits. My kids used to come into me when we were growing up, when they were, when they were young, and they would, when they were feeling bad, they'd always say, Daddy, can you pray for me? And of course, that was a great honor. And I love to pray for them. And we saw our kids healed many times by the laying on of hands in the power of Jesus' name. It's awesome. Okay, totally awesome. But you can ask them. I used to ask them questions a lot of time. I'd sort of interrogate them in a way. i said, what have you been eating? You know, what time did you go to bed last night? How much sleep did you get? How are things going at school? Did you get things right with your brother or your sister? In other words, I was saying in so many words, are you living within your limits? Are you outside of those? Because before I pray for you, you might need to pray or ask God to forgive you in order for you to experience the blessing that he has for you. Number five, write this down. Have I honestly assessed my strengths and my weaknesses? This is about being self-aware. Self-awareness is a tremendous help in the discernment process. A lot of people, they're not aware. They don't have anybody to help them see what they can't see, their blind spots. Maybe you don't, do you know your Achilles? Do you know your kryptonite, so to speak? And do you know how that is affecting you or blinding you? See, your Achilles, your kryptonite, your addictions, your problems, your chronicities, they not only blind you to what's really happening and, 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 and affect the discernment process, they'll also bind you. They'll keep you locked up so you can't go forward in God. And so you need to know, you know what those things are. You need to know what you bring to the table in terms of your giftings and your capabilities and your capacities. You know, are you a five or two or a one in your leadership? And so if you're not, if you're not self-aware, then sometimes it's gonna affect your discernment and your decision-making processes. Number six, are you ready? Here's so good. Am I making this decision freely or am I being pressured to do so? See, if you don't wanna make foolish decisions, if you wanna use your head, you gotta ask yourself, what's pressuring me? That pressure can be external or it can also be internal. And it, a lot of times it's internal. A lot of times you're out there listening to my voice and you're putting false deadlines upon yourself. You're being driven by, by some vow that you have made that I'm gonna be married by such and such a time and if I'm not, then my life will just be over. It'll be terrible, you know? And some people do much worse than that. I won't live to see 21, you know? And so they're gonna live it up till then and do foolish things. And people have died because they've professed and said those kind of things and not realized how powerful uh, the tongue is. And so a lot of times we do this, we put these deadlines and, and if I don't have something or someone, then, then something's wrong with my life. Let me ask you a question. Is something driving you right now internally that's causing you to make foolish decisions in relationships? Maybe in your marriage? 
You're making bad decisions in your marriage. You know, if I don't, if this doesn't fix better, then I'm going to do da da da. Maybe it's in your money. Maybe you're trying to prove a point to a parent. And what what are those things that are are you pressured? in your decision making because God wants you to be free when you make decisions and if you're not it's contaminating your discernment process do you have peace because peace is the umpire of the soul God wants that for you lastly number seven as I conclude have I have I worked hard to understand the implications that are before me in this decision have I worked hard to understand the implications see the, the opening verse says that prudence gives careful thought to their ways. It's looking very carefully and very patiently at these things. See, we can't anticipate all of the implications, but we can reduce some of them if we'll use our heads, if we'll think through before we go and do. So these seven questions are a framework for discerning the will of God. But let me end with this, okay? Where does grace come into all this, Pastor? Because I haven't done that a lot. I haven't done that very much. And I want to show you that the truth is about our lives is that we all have had seasons and situations of foolishness. That's the truth. And maybe it's caused by some external pressures. Again, I, I described them, uh, an anxiety that hits you and, you and you do something foolish. Here's the wonderful truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is God loves fools. God came for fools. God came for those who were doing foolish things, who were far from him, who were rejecting him, who were doing what was seemed to be right in their own eyes, that were doing what they thought was best, and yet there was, there, was, there was wickedness in their heart. God loves fools. And he says to us, really throughout his word, Old Testament to New Testament, he says, if you'll just submit all your foolishness to me, if you'll just come to me and just say, and just surrender that all. I've made these mistakes. I'm ashamed. Um, I've experienced these consequences. I don't know how I can get out of them. I need somebody on the outside to help what's going on in the inside of my life. God can turn that whole thing around. The Bible says he works together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. He can take your mess and he can make it, as I've said many times, your message. God wants to do that for you. God loves fools, but you have to surrender to him in your foolishness. Don't try to fix it yourself. You'll fall right back into the mud and the miry clay again. God wants to have the last word. Are you willing to let him do that? I hope you are. I believe that God is speaking to some of you right there, wherever you are. You could be miles and miles away, but God could be right up close to you. He, the Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so I want to pray for you. I'd like you to bow your head. I'd like you to just kind of join me wherever you are. We're praying. We're closing our eyes. We're bowing our head so we can look at our own heart. Take a look at your heart right now. Would you pray this prayer with me wherever you are? If you're far from God and you need to invite him in, you don't want to live like a fool. You want to live like a wise person. You want to be a wise son or daughter of God. Say this, say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I repent. I've done over and over and over again what seemed to be my, right in my own eyes, but I want to do what's right in your eyes. I want to follow God's ways. Lord, I pray that you would help me. Keep me you know, from, I've gone my own way so many times, but now I choose Jesus. Now I, come on, say that. Now I choose Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, I pray that you help me get out of this foolish mess that I'm in. I'm, again, I can't do it on my own. I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I receive your rescue plan for me. 
You paid for my sin. You died on the cross as a payment. You rose on the third day to overcome life, death, and the grave. And I believe in that. And because I believe in that, I can be rescued. And I don't have to live like a fool anymore. I can be a son or daughter of God that walks in wisdom. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Say amen. That is the best decision that some of you, as my wife would say, all y'all have ever made. That's powerful. God has incredible, incredible things in store for you. Now, what I want to do is I want to help you. Some of you, um, you need to tell somebody that decision you just made. Just say, raise your hand and say, that was me. I just prayed that prayer. Somebody in the chat, somebody wants to talk to you and pray with you. You can go in a private room and just talk to them. You don't have to do it right in that big thread. But if you need prayer, go talk to somebody in the chat. It's so important that you do so. And then if you made that decision, we want to help you on your spiritual journey. We want to take you from, you know, the God's ways. We want to give you that direction. So what's next? Exactly. We have a book for you that we want to send you called What's Next. So if you would text to us, CC Saved to 97,000, we're gonna send you a book, it's free, and it's gonna help you in a tremendous way. For some reason I never talked to you, I wanna be a responsible pastor that helped you on your spiritual journey. I pray that you go ahead and you do that today. Now listen, the rest of you, some of you need to think about this. If you're leading a small group, hey, make sure that you sign up today. I want to encourage all you leaders out there. We, we have so many people that we're trying to reach, and we need you to lead a small group. Don't miss that chance. Sign up today. Today's a huge day for you. Um, I hope I haven't missed any important announcements, but um, I love you guys. I can't wait to see you next week at a city group. And, uh, oh, my God, the final installment of this series will be next week, so you don't want to miss it as we continue on this God's Way series. God bless you guys. I'll talk to you soon.